We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Game Podcast Edition. I'm your host for tonight, Taylor Peterson. You can find me on Twitter at Taylor underscore P15. You can find us at the underscore uncontested on Twitter, TikTok, Facebook, um, YouTube, obviously. I hope uh, many of you are listening in on YouTube right now. Uh, all the social medias, you can find us there. We are a proud part of the Blue Wire Podcast Network and a proud part of DailyThunder.com. It was a very, very fun, yet tough, tough way to lose a, an incredibly fun game. Thunder ended up uh, losing to the to the Milwaukee Bucks, one thirty six to one thirty two, and double overtime. Really, really excited to yeah, to to break this one down. I think Gable says it best. What a roller coaster! So, uh, speaking of the chat, be sure to drop all of your comments, questions, etc. in the chat. I'll try and get to as many of them as possible. Uh, before I get any further, if you all would go and leave a five-star rating, we would be, first of all, would be greatly appreciative, but also we will be sure to, uh, if you screenshot it, send it to us in DMs on any of the social platforms that I mentioned earlier, so social media platforms I mentioned earlier, we'll be sure to uh, to send some stickers your way. We have some really cool uncontested stickers. Um, so if you all would be interested in those, be sure to screenshot that five-star review. We'll get you hooked up. So like I said, uh, just... We're going to go ahead and dive into this one. Very, very fun game. Obviously, the Milwaukee Bucks were without Chris Middleton, Giannis, uh, and Drew Holiday. <laughs> Went blank there for a second. Uh, however, Javon Carter decided that he was going to become the the emerge as the next member of the four for the Milwaukee Bucks. Uh, he went absolutely absurd. We'll get into him as well. Like I said, just... I, I don't know. It, it's it's kind of hard to even know where to start. Uh, I, I see a lot of you already jumping here in the chat. Obviously, the the ending was crazy. Probably the the best place to start is just breaking the game down. But before I do that, just some big takeaways that I took from this game. Really hard to whittle this down to five, but I did. 
believe it or not, the guys will be very, uh, very proud of me for being able to do so. And the five that I came away with that I think were critical to this game, against a very competitive Milwaukee Bucks team. Like I said, they maybe were without their stars, but that doesn't mean they're uh, not a still a very sound team and, and de- defensively and offensively as well. And just the, the veteran players that they have. Uh, I still thought this was a well-fought game by the Thunder against a still very competitive Milwaukee Bucks team who, gosh, this is off the top of my head. I think they've only lost like one game. Yeah, ten, they're 10-1 and one now uh, after tonight. And again, no Chris Middleton for the majority of that. Um, and you know, no Giannis last couple of games as well. So it's still an impressive battle for the Oklahoma City Thunder. So my, my five takeaways here. Improved Thunder three-point percentage. Much, much better than it has been, and that's why they were able to stay in this game. There's a lot to break down in terms of individual players and uh, the ball movement and spacing that was there tonight compared to you know some of the games we've seen earlier in the season. That's one big takeaway that stood out to me. The second one, and this one's kind of brief, honestly, especially when we break, down, break it down in more detail. I think it'll be a little shorter than the rest of the other the points, but... I have undersized, no problem. You're running Poku at center, no problem. J-Dub at center, no problem. They were only out, uh, the Thunder were, were only out rebounded by one, 63 to 62 against the very big Milwaukee Bucks. Uh, obviously made a point to get Brooke Lopez the ball. Didn't really matter uh, <laughs> until it did, which we will get into. Offensive balance. This is maybe my favorite takeaway and probably one I'll spend a lot of time on here a little later. Uh, just you know, quick bullet point here. The Thunder had 41 bench points, much more balanced field goals in terms of the starters. Um, we'll obviously get into that. Josh Giddy, he gets his own bullet point, his own takeaway for this game. Neither positive nor negative. The overall his stat line was incredibly positive. Uh, he was a huge contribution to this team. He's the reason that they were able to compete in the second half like they did, and especially in overtime. Again, we will get into some of that. But he still had some lows, and I'm going to be honest with you. I thought Giddy would like to get out of the slump. I thought he would have like more of a breakout game, and I'm not sure this was that. It was just more of a return to uh, some of the things that Giddy does well, and I think a really good example of how he can contribute and impact this team when guys like Shea are taking over. And again, we'll, we'll get into get into that as well. Poku, another player. I have Poku uh, here. For another takeaway, gets his own takeaway. Incredibly well-rounded game uh, from Poku on both ends of the floor. Thought he contributed and, and hustled on both ends, which led to some great opportunities for him, and he knocked down open shots, which was huge until he didn't. Seems to be a theme here as well. Maybe I should add a sixth bullet point until he or they did not because, um, yeah, overtime happened, and some of these things did, uh, ceased to exist like they did during the regulation but the last one here is pretty much maybe like an honorary sixth um big takeaway that we can have for the whole season but i'm gonna go ahead and put it as my fifth here for the game superstar shea i mean just absolutely phenomenal what he was able to do the way he was able to take over the games everything that we've wanted and even that i complained about i believe like two post games ago maybe three that he just you know I, I love that he was trying to get teammates involved, but I wanted to see him be a little more aggressive. Tonight, he had the perfect balance of both. Uh, being assertive, knowing that he was the number one guy, 
and then still trying to get teammates involved. So those are my five big takeaways. Again, this is going to be hard, guys. This was a, again, so much to break down this game. I'm going to try and not spend 30 minutes breaking down the game as a whole. Um, and then, so that way we still have plenty of time to get into takeaways. So as quickly as I can, um, Shea, Giddy, Dort, Poku, JRE are the starting lineup. Great to get Poku back, and obviously it showed. J-Dub and Trey were the first subs. Excuse me. Um, Aaron Wiggins got min- minutes after not getting any in the past two games. Some of that is due to Usman uh, going down with the OKC Blue earlier today. Getting a ton of minutes. He put up 20 points. He had like really good rebounds and assists. I don't have that stat line in front of me. But regardless, uh, Jang... Um, gosh, that was a big big country twang there. Uh, Jang... Jay Will and what uh Omarui were both or were all three behind the bench. They weren't suited up for the Thunder since they had so many minutes with the blue earlier today. And so obviously that um that affected the rotation. So it was great to see Wiggins get back in there. And I thought he contributed well, although it wasn't one of his bigger games. Um one thing that stood out to me in the first quarter was there was just so and you know, this continued throughout the majority of the game, but there was so much passing and off ball movement, which was fantastic. Um, I could tell it was an emphasis heading into this game because the Thunder came out and I mean they looked crisp. Obviously, that's going to look more crisp earlier in the game when you have uh, fresh legs. But regardless, it seems like that was an emphasis from this coaching staff uh, onto this young Thunder team. And they came out and, and performed very well to start with that off-ball movement. Or sorry, with that um, with the, the passing and then obviously the off-ball movement as well. Uh, I thought Shea looked really good off-ball early on. Uh, obviously having Poku back helps that as well. Having a, that connector as a big who's able to swing to shooters or, you know, make the extra pass um, really, really helped the offense flow. So again, just a, a lot of good stuff to kind of carry throughout the rest of the game. J-Dub continues to look great on and off ball. Like I said, he was one of the first subs alongside uh, Trey, who, you know, both of them were fantastic. We'll get obviously get into Trey, who's my player of the game. But I thought J-Dub came in, especially in the first half. Second half, he kind of just, you know, other guys were taking over. So he didn't get the opportunity. But in the first half, he looked really, really good. Uh, Giddy struggled in the first quarter. Still did not break out of that slump. And we'll get into him as well. But first quarter was not Giddy's quarter either. Second quarter happens. J-Dub ran point to start the second. And this is kind of where we see J-Dub shine. Uh, he's with Wiggins, Isaiah Joe, who got some burn in the second quarter. Trey Mann, Baisley. Baisley tweaks his ankle, which is honestly unfortunate. I know there's uh, some big Baisley fans <laughs> in our mentions, and we've been harsh on Baisley in regards to how he fits with this kind of offense and uh, the style of play the Thunder are trying to play. But obviously, Baisley's had some huge contributions for us, especially last game, and especially defensively. So, And when you don't have Usman Jang due to him playing minutes in the G League, it's a pretty big loss. And I think it was the third or during halftime that we got the notification that Baisley would not be back due to that tweaked ankle. So really hoping that's something serious. Isaiah Joe, he got into end the first. I thought it was kind of one of those things that like kind of like we saw with uh, Omari, where he gets in like at the end of positions um, in the preseason. And, you know, that was kind of it. He ends up starting the second quarter and played really, really well. Um, I, I really love how he competes defensively. He's obviously, you know, in, in regards to this team, who's huge, he's smaller. I think he really competes. And if he's able to hit outside shots when the Thunder really, really need it, that's going to be going to be huge. However, he'd not see the floor again after the second quarter, which makes sense. 
So he probably still gets lost in the rotation. But if there are guys who are struggling, competing defensively, Isaiah Joe's a, a guy to kind of keep an eye on because, you know, he he's he knows what it takes to get playing time. It's just a matter of can he kind of rise to the top uh, versus some of these other players. So Josh comes back and Josh Giddy comes back in for Wiggins. This is kind of where he looks more like Josh. He's more aggressive and confident driving to the rim. And I think the big thing here, he plays with Trey, Muscala, J-Dub, who opens the space of the floor. Giddy looks much more comfortable, has more space to operate. He's not playing alongside Shea, although they did look much better together later in the game. I thought this kind of kind of gave uh, Josh the opportunity he needed to get out of that funk a little bit. Still not great defensively. We can get into that later. Um, there was an absurd no-look bounce pass later in the second quarter where Giddy uh, caught the ball in the mid-post. J-Dub cuts from the top of the key. Uh, J, uh, Giddy has a no-look bounce pass to a cutting J-Dub for an absolute monster slam. I mean, it was absurd. Go to our account. You can see the see the uh, the highlight, I guess, the, the video. But obviously, uh, many other Thunder counts have that as well. Just a really fun play. Poku looked like the best player on the floor, especially in the second quarter. He had a huge block where he basically flew out of nowhere and just spiked the ball into the stands. And then shortly after, he had a, a catch-and-shoot three from the corner. I mean, at halftime, he had 11 points, four rebounds, one assist, three blocks, one steal, four six shooting, and had his seventh career game with three-plus blocks at the half. And an honorable mention here, Javon Carter had 21 points on eight of 12 <laughs> in the half as well, which is essentially what kept the Thunder, or sorry, kept the uh, Bucks in this game. So third quarter, uh, Bays is out for the rest of the game, like I mentioned with the ankle sprain. SGA picked up his fourth foul. Not great. Uh, Kenny subbed in for JRE pretty early, and then we didn't see much of JRE at all the rest of the game. I don't have that as a takeaway. Just a quick aside here. That's something we need to keep an eye on because I've seen that the last couple of games as well, and especially when um, Baisley's out You know, with that ankle injury. We still didn't see much JRE. So that's interesting and something to keep an eye on. Bucks go on a small run. They don't time out, and from there, the Thunder just turned it up. Uh, they turned up defensively and with the intensity that led to a Poku three followed by a Giddy Dort trap at, at the half court, which was fascinating. Uh, Dort's able to get the steal, throws it to Giddy for the layup, and then all of a sudden Kendrick Williams comes in clapping, firing everybody up. I was fired up. I was clapping in my living room, trying not to wake up the baby. When Kenny's fired up, I'm fired up. And uh, it was a lot of fun. On To that point, kind of the spark there defensively is the Thunder went to a 3-2 zone out of that timeout. And it was very effective. Uh, the Thunder were able to get stops, push the ball in transition, played at a really fast pace, and that led to a couple easy buckets. Uh, Giddy started to look more and more confident and more and more normal, normal on the offensive side of the ball. I want to continue to emphasize that until he had a missed layup, or maybe outside of a missed layup, I should say. Uh, Lou seemed a little more controlled during this period on offense. Uh, he was making good passes in transition. He wasn't trying to force it until he was later in the game and the other comment i have here is just shea is very good at basketball it's kind of where we saw shea continue to pick it i mean it turn up the intensity and, and be a little more assertive rather than focusing more on getting others involved which there's like a really good balance there that i thought shea did masterfully tonight but this is kind of where we saw him break out of trying to set up teammates and maybe starting to look for his own shots and, and driving to the rim a little more trey man towards the end of the third quarter so when he really got it going uh and oh and then uh okc legend george hill <laughs> had a ridiculous buzzer beater 
go in uh, buzzer beater three at the end of the third quarter, which was just really frustrating because I thought the Thunder played really good defense to, to begin that possession. And uh, the fact that he was able to get that floater to go was just crazy fourth quarter. Again, like I said, there's so much breakdown. <laughs> I apologize for the long, long game breakdown, but just a lot here. Fourth quarter, Giddy looked good again until he didn't when, you know, he, he was in there. He had, had really good. Uh, he really uh, helped initiate the offense, which pushed the pace and transition. And then Trey kind of took over there when he got it going, as he should have. But Giddy seemed to kind of struggle after that, not having the ball in the hands. He looked a little uncomfortable. Uh, a momentum-changing call in the fourth quarter where Trey Mann and George Hill got tied up. A really uncharacteristic turnover forced pass from Mike Muscala. It should have been a jump ball. I mean, the rest were awful. We can get obviously get into that. Uh, they end up calling a clear path foul, foul on Mann. It's 94-92 Milwaukee with 8.30 to go. Then Trey goes crazy. <laughs> and uh, he really gets it going, keeps the thunder in it. It helps them get back in it, I guess. And not that they were out of the game at that point, but um, he's basically matching blow for blow with Milwaukee. Mark goes with a closing lineup of Shea, Dort, Giddy, Trey, Poku. Very small, obviously, and it was risky to do at that time because the Bucks had some momentum, but that was the best offensive lineup and really the best lineup overall for the Thunder, and it worked. Uh, Poku was 4-4 from three-point range at that point. Um, just absolutely crazy. He was knocking down some huge shots. Then we get to, like, uh, to so Shea, we've talked a lot about him not hitting from outside or, or taking um, three-point shots as much as he had in previous seasons. We see the first, at least the first Shea setback three I can think of off the dribble this season. With 3.23 to go, he drills it, cuts it to six points, and then just all hell breaks loose. Uh, Javon Carter ke- keeps going. Shea went Shabante mode. Giddy hustles his ass off and, and gets, I believe, three straight offensive rebounds, uh, two of them in the same possession. Josh has the absolute insane inbound to Dort, which ties the game with 50 seconds left. Poku blocks Lopez one-on-one, the next possession. We get the ball back. And then Poku, who's been amazing. And as I, I believe Jacob mentioned, he tweeted out before his phone died. You live and die by the Poku. Poku airballs early in the shot clock. The Bucks get the ball. They have a chance to win the game, essentially. Um, thankfully for Poku and thankfully for us, Javon Carter, somehow, by the grace of God, misses a game winner. So the Thunder go on an 8-0 run to end the quarter for, for the Thunder, and they end up forcing overtime, essentially how they did it. And then all craziness happens. Thunder went super cold, but they just fought their asses off in, in terms of second-chance opportunities, really led by Getty. This is where he really shined here. Uh, Lou Dort was all over the place as well, although it wasn't one of his better games. Paycon was going crazy. I think, again, Jacob, he was there tonight, tweeted out that um, Paycom looked more like, I think, Chesapeake Arena, right? Like the loudest he's heard it in years, which is really exciting. Daynault kept switching out Kenrich and Trey Mann. Trey for offense, Kenrich for defense. Uh, Kenrich had a really good charge there. Uh, let's see, Lopez scores over Poku, ties it up with 40 seconds, 46 seconds left. Shave drives and finds Lou for an open three with about 30 seconds left. Lou bricks it. Really bad. Uh, Lopez finds uh, Bobby Portis Jr. for an easy bucket. Put the books up by two with eight seconds. Then the Shea step back three happens. They gave Lopez free throws uh, on the next inbound. They, again, they call a foul on Lou. I mean, I, there was some contact early. I don't know. A, a lot to think about 
fair. But I, I think the biggest thing for me is I'm a little disappointed in Dagnall. They're not packing the paint, and there's only 0.6 seconds left. Um, you make them beat you by three or a long two, and instead you let Lopez or you, get, you let Dork get switched onto Lopez and the inbound play. You only have one player on the biggest player on the court, and that obviously leads to uh, an opportunity for the Bucks to win the game. Fortunately for the Thunder, Lopez misses one of the free throws, double overtime. And essentially from there, just tired legs, really. Um, somehow the Thunder still were in it. Uh, Shea got fouled. He made the shot, but they didn't give him the continuation. He hits both free throws. Thunder gets stopped. Okay, so he got a great, great look to end the game. Trey Mann drills the three. And in typical fashion for this game, the refs call a moving screen on Muscala. And that's pretty much it. So, like I said, I've already gone 20 minutes here, just breaking this absurd game down. But uh, just uh, a lot, a lot to dive in here. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. So let's just go ahead and get right into it. My big takeaways. And actually, uh, it, it, I was trying to think of unique ways to do this. I know you guys probably get tired of my positives and negatives. So I, I was thinking a takeaway draft, which is really a kind of a fun way to, to break some of these down. Probably more fun if I had one of the other guys here with me, one of the other co-hosts with me. Um, because when it's just me, if I'm doing a takeaway draft, it's pretty much me just ranking it. But for some reason, or ranking these takeaways, but for some reason, um, calling it a draft and drafting them seems to be a little more exciting for listeners. So let's go ahead and just do a takeaway draft here of the five that I mentioned earlier. And we'll dive into these in more detail. Um, the first one, I mean, obviously I think I have to go with the biggest superstar. Shea. Shea was absolutely phenomenal. He had 39 points, four rebounds, four assists, 13 and 25 from the floor. Super efficient. Again, shot the uh, shot from three, five times. Sorry, excuse me. Hit two of them, which were absolutely critical. He did miss two free throws tonight, but it's okay because he was 11 from 13. Played 46 minutes, which obviously was the most on the team. He played with five fouls there to end the game and into both overtimes, I believe, which is pretty huge. The fact that he's able to do that and still keep that defensive intensity on the the other side of the ball and and keep himself in the game is a superstar quality that often goes unnoticed and underappreciated. And I thought Shea did a fantastic job maintaining that intensity but not allowing that to take him out of the game right and, and sometimes that's out of your control we saw that a lot with russ saw that a lot with kd we saw that a lot with paul george with cp3 we've been very blessed here in okc with superstar talent um and sometimes it's not up to the superstar 
but I thought Shea did a masterful job of making sure he was able to stay aggressive, but not put himself in a position to where he could potentially be fouled out and taken out of the game for his teammates. Uh, and then the other thing I was going to, uh, two blocks, sorry, two blocks and zero still seems crazy. I thought he had more than that. He had a couple deflections. All that's to say Shea was just phenomenal. I think the fact that he got, I mean, there's been so many tweets about this. I'm sure you all are in the chat talking about it. Yeah, you guys are talking about it as well. But the fact that uh, that that all-star moment got taken away from him, the step-back three-point shot there to end uh, regulation is taken away because the refs call that foul on Lou Dort or whatever you want to chalk it up to, whether it it was Dignall or Thunder teammates not helping out Lou uh, pack the paint when the tallest guy on the floor is obviously going to get the ball, or that's going to be the number one option in the inbound for the Bucks. A lot to break down there, but as a whole, I thought Shea was great. And the biggest thing for me, and you know what, I'll go ahead and, and take this takeaway number two, the Thunder's offensive balance. The fact that Shea was still able to have 39 points on 13 and 25 shots, and other guys were able to step up and, and really contribute. Uh, this is where we kind of, can break down some of the other guys. It's kind of a cheating uh, big takeaway because this is a, a way to incorporate some of the other guys who played so well, like Poku and Trey Mann specifically. Poku has 17 points, uh, 10 rebounds, two assists, two steals, two, or uh, gosh, they only have two blocks here in this box score, but I swore he had three unless they took one away from him. Uh, six of 11 from the floor, super efficient, four of seven from three. It's just ginormous from Poku. That doesn't even, uh, you know, include his his impact, the, the poke nectar, as we have uh, termed it here on the uncontested, that he had on the offensive side of the ball. It There's no coincidence that the offense flowed so much better, smoother, had more synergy when Poku was playing tonight after he had the past two nights. That's not a knock on anybody else for clarity, but I thought Poku was fantastic. Uh, I love that he had six, uh, sorry, that he had 11 football attempts to go back to that overall point of, Offensive balance. Next one here, Lou Dort, 14 shot attempts. Depending on the game uh, and, and depending on who's playing, maybe still a little high for Lou, but I thought he was better in his role offensively. Uh, that number kind of got inflated due to the overtimes. And man, Lou was just really, really bad again offensively. But the thing that keeps Lou on the floor and the thing that he did really, really well is I, I keep mentioning this, and but he's working his tail off, right? He's diving for loose balls. He's trapping players. He's playing uh, incredibly intense defense, although Javon Carter really kind of gave him the business on some plays. Uh, it, it's interesting how Dort seems to have success against bigger players like the Lucas, the Paul Georges, the James Hardens, but struggles against some of these players like, um, I don't know, some of the smaller guards, Steph Curry, for example. And we kind of saw that a little more with Javon Carter, uh, obviously bigger than Steph, but still maybe closer to the Steph mold than maybe the Harden Luka mold. Regardless, I thought Lou played a little more within the offense throughout the majority of the game until maybe a little later um, when he just had more opportunity because the Bucks were packing the paint as they should. And then the, uh, oh, Josh Giddy is another one we really need to mention here. Again, not a very good, efficient uh, offensively efficient game from giddy <laughs> 9 of 19 from the floor is not great 19 shots seems like a lot for giddy but again i mean overall really solid game and was a huge reason why the thunder were able to stay in this game and was able to push it to continuous overtimes 18 points 
15 rebounds, six assists. That's a pretty typical Josh Giddy uh, stat line that we've been accustomed to over the past season, but or over the past year. And he plays 44 minutes, which is only two less than Shea. Obviously, Dagnall agreed with that. Um, I know his defense wasn't great at times, but the impact he was able to have, the second chance points he was creating, is the reason he was able to get on the floor. Again, I don't want to go. If I mean, that's a whole other topic talking about Josh Giddy, but the 19 uh, field goal attempts there it was pretty good balance overall. And I thought him and Shea were better together, even though they weren't playing off one another. That's kind of the next evolution in their chemistry. But the fact that, that they were both able to contribute offensively is a good step in the right direction, in the right direction, in my opinion. And then the next one I want to just mention here is Trey Mann, obviously uh, 16 field goal attempts. Trey Mann was the most aggressive we've seen him all season. He was fantastic. Uh, eight of 16 from the floor, five of nine from three. Uh, he 35 minutes. He he got the the big time closing minutes in the fourth and the uh, both overtimes from Dignall. Dignall obviously trusted him and needed his offense. Uh, Trey unlocked and unlocks so much when you have guys like Shea and Giddy and Dort playing together. And uh, it, it you know those small lineups like that really really work. You have a guy like Trey Mann who's able to score and create his own opportunities uh, like he's able to, and he even kicked out to others and create opportunities for other teammates. Obviously, I think. Uh, Dana liked that as well, and he was really aggressive defensively. So all that to say, I thought the <laughs> really long-winded way to say that I thought the offensive balance was was much more efficient, maybe. Um, and, and the fact that Shea was still able to have the the superstar stat line that he did, and you were still able to get offensive contributions from guys like Poku, Dort, Giddy, Trey Mann. I just thought it all kind of, the pecking order kind of lined itself out, and, and, and it was good to see. So I mentioned Giddy, and I talked a lot about him there, so we won't go quite as long here. Um, the interesting thing for me for me with Giddy is I thought that when he was going through the slump, and, and sorry, keep uh, keep dropping some chats and comments in the uh, or comments and questions in the chat, and I'll be sure to get to them. Um, one thing with Giddy, I kind of expected him to just kind of have a breakout game where he just was very efficient scoring and another triple double, maybe whatever it may be. Instead, it you know, it, it, it was kind of this up and down roller coaster game for Giddy. He had some really great highs. For example, the three straight offensive rebounds that essentially uh, kept the team alive uh, in the fourth quarter as well as overtime and creating those second chance points. Then some really low lows, like wide open layups and floaters that he's still missing or just terrible. I, I think Jacob said in, in our chat, like traffic cone defense, right? And I don't know. It, it was a very strange uh, up and down game for Giddy, but overall he contributed, you know, significantly to this team, which allowed them to really compete there in the fourth and into the overtimes. And that's why we saw Giddy um, after sitting out. What was it? The past two, it, it, maybe the past three games where he's not in during the clutch time because Trey Mann or other players are playing better offensively. Uh, you need the offensive spark. Giddy's able to close in the, in the clutch time in the fourth and both overtimes. And so that's a step in the right direction, although it's still not the breakout game that I expected. Um, this is a quote, I believe, from Trey Mann or Dignall. <laughs> I can't even remember. I just saw the quote here. This is one of the, the quotes from the post game on Giddy. And I think this is a perfect example of encaps encapsulation of why he was on the floor in those moments that I mentioned. Um, quote, he came up with every ball. As the game got tighter and tighter, he got more clutch. And so I, I think that's just, uh, like I said, the, the perfect, uh, the epitome of why Giddy was able to stay on the floor, 
hopefully we can see him start to put together a more well-rounded game where he's still aggressive, but a little more efficient offensively. My next one here, very similar to that, and I'm, I've mentioned him already, Alexei Pokashevsky, just incredible. Um, incredibly well-rounded game from Poke on both sides of the ball and from the very beginning. Uh, I think I made a joke on our account, like, Presley's going to get investigated, <laughs> not for tanking, but for the league checking in to see what they injected into Poker's shoulder because obviously he's been out with uh, the banged-up shoulder the past two games, and he comes back in, was aggressive from the very beginning, and he did not look back really until like later in the fourth just because the opportunity wasn't there. He wasn't touching the ball as much. Uh, as the game got later on, more tired legs, a little more iso ball, etc., Poku was just absolutely phenomenal. Reading off his stat line, 17 points, 10 rebounds, 2 assists, 6 of 11 from the floor. 4 of 7 from 3 is probably the biggest thing there. He was knocking down uh, corner threes. He was no hesitation, super smooth uh, shooting, uh, shooting with confidence. He was playing within the offense. You didn't see any of the crazy Poku passes that went to, you know, Loud City out of bounds after going out of bounds. there was one play in particular, I think it was in the third quarter, where Poku's uh, actually rips the rebound, takes the ball in transition, Giddy's in front of him, and, and he's able to, you know, because he's so tall, he uses the length to his advantage, keeps the ball over his head, is able to uh, create a passing angle, passing lane to Josh Giddy for a wide open transition layup. And it's just things like that from Poku that we haven't seen until the season. And really, this we keep saying this, and it's really exciting to keep getting to say this, but like this is Poku's best game that we can think of the most complete game and a competitive game, or a game of meaning, as Presti would say. And I thought tonight, um, maybe, I mean, it's up there with the game, like right before he got hurt, but maybe the best game we've seen from Poku. Just really, really exciting stuff. Even if he didn't show up quite as much in, in the fourth quarter in overtime, that's understandable. Great, great contributions from Poku, and I wish I had more time because we could go into Poku even longer. And then last one here, or actually, uh, let's see. I was going to say uh, last one here, Superstar Shea, but I started with that one. I, I think the one I haven't gotten into, or the two I haven't gotten into just really quickly, improved Thunder three-point uh, percentage. The Thunder shot 18 to 45 from three. I didn't really get to dive into this. I, again, that number got worse due to the overtime and tired legs. But as a whole, the Thunder shot much, much better, especially during the uh, during. Gosh, I'm going blank on the term. Regulation. <laughs> uh, the Thunder shot much better. It was overtime that that number, number kind of got inflated, but that was huge for this team, especially with the Milwaukee Bucks team that was red hot from three. Poku was four of seven. Lou was two of six, which still is awful. Um, Shea was two of five. We haven't seen that from, so that's that's noteworthy. Josh was 0 of four, which sucks, but I did like the threes that he took. Um, and then really the big one here is Trey Man, five and nine. Right. And so some other players are going to need to step up and, and, you know, be able to hit those shots for this Thunder team. If they're going to win games like this, the fact that they were able to take this two overtimes with that shooting is pretty phenomenal, pretty impressive. Uh, but regardless, Thunder three point shooting was certainly better. If you look at it in terms of and uh, how they shot during reg- regulate throughout regulation, like I said, in overtime, it kind of resorted back to pretty awful three point shooting, which can be contributed to tired legs, which makes sense. And then my last one here, undersized, no problem. The Thunder were only out-rebounded 63-62, which is pretty phenomenal when you just watching the game. I, again, I watched the game before like seeing that stat, and I felt like Rick Lopez was just dominating. 
and you think about the lineups that they're not throwing out there. Poku at center, I think at one point maybe, well, it, basically Poku played center for a large majority. Mike Muscala was the other one. Basically, short, for a short period before he got injured, and then some JRE, but JRE, again, uh, that's I mentioned that earlier in the podcast, something to keep an eye on there. But no true center for the Thunder against a very big, long Bucks team. And the fact that they're still able to uh, only be out-rebounded by one, I'm just going to double-check. Yeah, 63-62 and two overtimes. Just really impressive and just shows the style of play this Thunder, is wanting, it, this Thunder team's wanting to play, right? Like this is where you see the Pokus, the Chets really are going to be able to contribute, um, whoever they draft next season, that Usman Jang, even like the versatility. Um, that's what this is all about. You don't have to have a true seven, two, you know, 300 pound bruiser down low. Um, you're able to just have this versatility. These guys who are able to create second chance opportunities like giddy there. I keep mentioning those three consecutive offensive rebounds and the clutch, which were huge. Um, or even just Poku being able to, to compete with some of these bigger guys like Brooke Lopez, this is what Thunder basketball, this is what they're trying to build. And it was really exciting to see in action tonight and really kind of start to come to fruition. So that was my last takeaway there that I really wanted to mention. Like I said, there's so, so much more we could break down of this. We could go an hour, even solo, just on this really uh, fun game. The transitioning here, before I get to all of your guys' comments and questions, my player of the game. I mean, this one was hard. Uh, honestly, if I had more time before I wanted to jump onto the podcast, I wanted to get this out to you all, especially uh, live so you all could tune in. If I had more time, I probably would have done like two or three players of the game. You could go with Shea every single game of the season. Uh, but that obviously gets boring after a while just because it's superstar Shea at this point, right? He, he's all-star campaigns in full effect. Um, you could go with Poku, who played really, really great, but not a complete game. The one guy that really shined to me that was, it, it, I think, is huge for this team and was super impactful. We saw him play throughout all the overtimes. They don't trust him more than I've seen him, maybe ever trust him. It's Trey 1K, Trey Man, 21 points, six rebounds, one assist, A of 16 from the floor, five of nine from three. It was absolutely huge. Uh, he had five fouls, which I actually love. He was aggressive. There's some plays from Shea on defensively that we haven't really seen before. For example, he's guarding players full court he's uh coming up last minute on you know guarding players when they are expecting it when they get an outlet pass and and getting hands and passing lanes just really really aggressive defense on trade even if he's not like a lock lockdown defender the efforts there and that's why i think uh, combined with obviously his much needed offenses spark and contribution that they don't trusted him there to to play so much uh, to close the game and into overtime and then i thought he had yeah he had two steals that was the other thing I want to mention. So Trey was on player of the game, but you obviously could go with Poku and obviously could go with SGA. So like I said, that was a lot of talking for a really, really fun game. Uh, but great, great comments and, and and questions here in the chat. Let's just go through them all really quickly. Then we'll get out of here. Um, but a lot of comments here to begin just about what a crazy, crazy game. Um, Amen brings up a fun and interesting point. Tough game, but as a fan of getting Wimby, I'm proud of the fight. Stench for the French. It's a good point. You know, the, the refs are probably an honorable mention takeaway here. Just how uh, they don't even had a comment. Like, you know, just they looked lost. They are, they're huddling up, uh, like not sure if they made the right call. Just some crazy, crazy stuff in the refs uh, this game. And, you know, the athletic uh, John Hollinger will probably put a piece out 
You know, or the did Presti pay the refs to lose the game so that way they can get women yelling? <laughs> but uh, the, the refs were pretty awful to that point. Uh, Gable, kind of similar to that point, this is the best way to lose. Extremely competitive games versus competitive teams. Wimby 2023. Very good point. Amen also mentioned with Poku. He's surprised with the number of minutes Poku had on Lopez. The Poku Nectar playing like a center. Yeah. And that's kind of uh, to that last point that I got to, or one of those last points I got to. I mean, that's Poku playing like this allows the team to be able to play small, quote unquote small, uh, or, or quote unquote without a big uh, play versatile is probably the the right term there. And it's exciting. My guy Tof, Tofer, Poku Mania, Amen, the Saucy Aussie was big on the boards. He was huge on the boards, actually. I'm glad you mentioned that, Amen, because I didn't mention this in my uh, my big takeaways, but. Stat news. Most 15 rebound games by an OKC guard, 39. Obviously, Russell Westbrook, 3. Josh Giddy, including tonight's game. All other OKC guards combined, 1. And I'm curious who that, which guard, which other guard that, that, that would have been. Maybe Chris Paul. Um, well, I guess maybe Shea. Probably it would have been Shea. He had a 2020 game. It was Shea. Um, so, regardless, pretty impressive stuff from Giddy. Let's see. The MVP, him Duncan, him Kardashian. Okay, so David is getting pretty frustrated with Dort. I'm getting uh, rationally angry with Dort. Realize your limitations on offense. I think that's a great point, David. Would like to see that much more limited. Uh, it was better at times, especially throughout regulation, and it just got worse and worse. Like as a team gets more and more tired, uh, it's almost like they resort back to bad habits, which makes sense. But those bad habits include Lou Dort <laughs> playing outside of his role. And uh, I agree, especially offensively. That needs to be honed in. And I know Mark's mentioned like challenging him a little more offensively, uh, especially with guys like Chet out, etc. But if this team's going to be successful, it, it, and if Lou's going to play a huge role with this team, it's, it's going to be a more specified role. So I agree with you there. Uh, e cool said, like you guys said, one day they are terrible, fantastic. The next Giddy's best game in a while. And Trey man also had a good game. Okay. I'm going to try and find some questions here because there's a lot of, a lot of comments. So Jacob, uh, George shooting 36% from the field in the season, 13 attempts per game. He's been real bad. If he plays like he did last year, this team is above 500. I think that is spot on and accurate. Um, more defined role be the thing I'd, I'd like to see from Dort, like I just mentioned. But again, if I mean, he's he's getting those probably more open opportunities uh, due to players like Trey and Giddy stepping up and, and even Shea, Shea playing at this level to create so many more opportunities for, for Dort. He's got to be able to convert and take advantage of them. If he, I mean, this is crazy to say, especially after the extension, but if he thinks he deserves closing minutes on this team, right? And I understand that there was a really good article from Joe Masato on the Oklahoman where, you know, talking about the Thunder's top-rated defense. It's not the top-rated, but like the top 12 or whatever it is right now. And um, one of the things that they don't mention, you know, the, the main catalyst there is Dort's point of attack defense, allowing them to play uh, the certain way they want to, the versatility, getting stills, deflections, being able to switch, etc. And I get that. But to Jacob's point on the last post game that we did, uh, me, him, and Silva did here a couple of nights ago, at a certain point, like that offense, the the lack of offense, 
kind of outweighs the good defense. Now, I thought Dort did a really good job as a whole. I kind of was a catalyst there uh, in regards of creating second chance points and and uh, allowing Thunder to be able to push the ball in transition. But man, I, to Jacob's point, he's been awful offensively, and that's got to improve. And, and we need to see that honed in a little bit in terms of his role. Uh, <laughs> Topher made the joke that Taylor it was quote unquote vitamins that Poku got injected in his arm. Certainly not a, what is it? I'm going blank on the Marvel Captain America super serum, whatever. Uh, let's see. Phil, there's a lot of comments. I appreciate you guys leaving so many comments. Uh, Jacob mentioned it felt like OKC was more physical tonight in comparison to the last one. Lots of positives to take from this one. I feel like, yeah, no, I agree completely, Jacob. And Shay, yeah, Shay had a 20 rebound game. That was the other one. Like I said, sorry, a lot of comments. Not so many questions, but I really appreciate you all interacting in the chat. Really, really fun game to break down. But I think, I mean, I've already gone 42 minutes, and I think this game uh, was worth it. But it's about time to get out of here, friends. Thank you all for joining. Thank you all again. Much more fun, especially after a game like tonight. Thunder end up losing once again, 136-32 in double overtime against the Milwaukee Bucks. A lot of fun stuff to take away from this one. A lot of fun things to build off of. And speaking of that, going back to the schedule I have pulled up here, uh, moving forward, we have, gosh, I hate, I hate Justin's bright yellow on the uh, dock because I can barely see the text. Okay, 11-11, so in two nights, the Thunder are at the Raptors. Shay's back home in uh, in Canada. Justin will have you all covered for that one. And the Sunday, they played the New York Knicks. It's a late game. Uh, or sorry. Um, they play the Knicks. We'll have you covered later with our group podcast. So we'll be sure to break down the game and also dive into some bigger overall things from the, the previous week. Monday, they played the Celtics. East Coast uh, teams. I'm really good East Coast teams back to back to back. On Monday at 6.30, played the Celtics. They're at Boston. Uh, Nick's got you guys covered for that one. So, stay tuned. Duncan Tess will have you covered for all of these fun, exciting games. Hopefully, we see more and more of what we saw tonight carry over into these, these next couple of games. Thank you all again for tuning in. And as always, Thunder up.